This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. We are Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance, here on ESPN Radio. Shout out to ESPN Ithaca for sending us great gear today. Hey, appreciate you. 101.7, or excuse me, 107.1 and 1160 a.m. in Ithaca, ESPN Ithaca, 107.1, 1160 a.m. We shout them out. They sent us the gear. You can as well if you are a great ESPN station across the country. No doubt. And I sent our listeners a winner last night. The parlay hit last night. All right. The parlay hit. The Kings came through. Five-point win over OKC. Okay. Needed them to win by uh, over a point and a half. They did that, and of course, we needed the Raiders to win by three points or more. Did they do that? I think they did that. I think they took care of business. That happened on the first possession. But yeah, parlay hit last night. There we go. Yeah, everybody that played that was uh, to the good, about 250 bucks. There you go, plus 250 There so, we go. So, no let's ask a question about the Raiders and the Chargers here before we get into the Cowboys and the Bills. We are on until noon Eastern time today. We are uh, hanging out with you here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Do we expect at any given point... For us to have an Adam Schefter tweet of breaking news that Brandon Staley, head coach of the Chargers, after a 63-21 loss last night where they were down 42-0 at half, 49-0 in the third, and 63-7 in the fourth, do we expect us to go into breaking news mode with Brandon Staley today? Yes. Yes. What will be the reason why you wouldn't fire him? That, that, I guess that's the whole point. Why would you hang on to him? We all know you're going to fire him in, in what, four, three weeks, four weeks? It's going to happen. So why would you hang on to him? I would answer that with the statement that you have made for a long period of time about the Chargers organization. They don't spend money. And that's extra money that you would spend for somebody not working for you. That, that would be my only reasoning, right? You're going to pay someone to, to not do a job, which, which there's an argument that you're currently doing that as well. well I mean, do, yeah. do, you, do you have to coach to lose 63-21? to 21? Probably not. That's my point. You gave up two defensive scores. Your offense turned the ball over, what, five times? I mean, in the co- the consequential coaching decision, if you want to point to one, was the decision to go forward on fourth down. You get stopped, and it leads to another touchdown for the Raiders. I just I don't understand why you would keep Brandon Staley as the head coach, especially when there's you know a, a potential candidate on staff that a lot of people around the National Football League feel like has head coach potential in Kellen Moore. Now. Some of the shot has come off of Kellen Moore this season mm-hmm. in light of what Mike McCarthy is doing with Dak and the Dallas Cowboys. But still, there is an alternative to Brandon Staley in terms of being the head coach for the next three weeks. Why would you not do that if for no other reason have an opportunity to send a message to the entire organization, to your locker room, and to your fan base that what we saw last night was intolerable? Because that's what proactive organizations do. And we're talking about the Chargers. So I would be surprised if we get the tweet from Adam Schefter that Brandon Staley is fired today, even though there's every data point that you can compile that he is not the right person for this job. They lost six, they, they, 63 points to the Raiders last night, who, by the way, scored zero points against the Vikings the weekend before. We didn't even know who was going to play quarterback, and they put up 63 points on your team. If you were ever going to pull the ripcord in season, it feels like this is the moment. But I don't have confidence in the Chargers to do it. Well, the game of the weekend this weekend, certainly not that game that we saw last night no. between the Chargers and the Raiders. On There are a lot of good games on paper this weekend, including Sunday Night Football between the Jaguars and the Ravens. But the one in which jumps out to us the most would be the Dallas Cowboys at 10-3, and who are undefeated at home, 7-0, and but 3-3 and on the road, going on the road at the Bills, who come off their win 
on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. They're seven and six. It's weird to say that the number two seed going up against the number 11 seed in the AFC is a really dramatic, interesting game. But that's what we have here because of what the Buffalo Bills could be. I want to play out a hypothetical with you guys. Let's say for argument's sake, and this is really for the Bills, of course, that both teams are in the playoffs this year. We know the Cowboys are going to be. Both the Cowboys and the Bills have made the playoffs. We know all of the seeding. We come in and we say, all right, let's pick a Super Bowl team. Which one of these two teams has a better chance of getting to the Super Bowl, assuming they're both in the playoffs? Oh, it's the Buffalo Bills. Oh. And I just think because of the path, it, it's much easier. Think about it. If you're the Cowboys, you've got to get through the Eagles and the 49ers. Like, uh, I, I just I, I think that's much harder than having to get through, uh, what is it, Baltimore and everybody else in the AFC. Mm-hmm. And Kansas City maybe. Chiefs ain't the same. Chiefs. The Jacksonville Jaguars are vulnerable. I still don't trust Tua and the Miami Dolphins. So, yeah, I think it's, it's easier for the Buffalo Bills to work their way through, especially with the, the, the way that Josh Allen is capable of playing. And Smalls, for whatever reason, I can't get the Eagles game out of my mind. I get it. It was an overtime loss, not the outcome that the Bills fans wanted. But Josh Allen was the best player on the field in that game. He just was. And so I, I know he can play, he can dial it up to that degree. We saw him in the playoff loss that he had in the divisional round in Arrowhead to Pat, uh, Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, I've seen those moments of greatness from Josh Allen. And if he can harness that for a three or four game stretch, then why can't the Buffalo Bills be in the Super Bowl? Like, that's the thing. Do they have a quarterback that's capable of going on the road in the wild card round, in the divisional round, and the championship game and getting it done? I would say yes. At some point, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, Josh Allen has the potential to wear a gold jacket. Yeah, he's He's, great. He's that good. He's great. But he also has the potential to trick off the game, too, because he's got the most turnovers of anybody in football. He's got 17 turnovers this year coming off of a season where he had 23 turnovers in, what was it, 16 games, 17 games? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, he can wear a gold jacket. He can also wear a jean jacket. I mean, let's be honest. He can sit here with me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you and you. The, like, the, the mistakes is, the mistakes is what, what would keep you from believing that yeah. he can get it done. But I guess if you're, if you're trying to go with the confidence meter in which one of these teams can ascend to those heights, which one do I have the trust in, as crazy as it sounds, it's the Buffalo Bills. I also can't forget the Eagles game, but it's the Cowboys-Eagles game that I can't forget. They, mm. they beat them 33-13. to 13. I think when you look at the NFC, we know for sure that there's three teams that are the best teams in that, in that conference. It's the 49ers, it's the Cowboys, and it's the Eagles. And I don't think the Cowboys are third on that list. And I know that your thought process is based in what we've seen in the past. We've seen Josh Allen have success in the postseason. We know he can step up and deliver in big moments. And we haven't necessarily seen that out of Dak and the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. Was he 2-4 and in the playoffs? Uh, We've seen the turnovers in the playoffs. But this is a different version of him, and this is a different version of this team. And I really think that we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys finally breaking through and getting to the championship round of the playoffs. But I get, and here's the thing: you may well be right, but where they finish in the standings in the division is going to matter because if you're talking about them being a wild card team, I don't think the Cowboys can go on the road for all three playoff games in the NFC and win them. I just don't because I don't assign that level of 
quarterback to Dak Prescott for whatever reason. I don't. Now, I know a lot of people didn't assign that level of quarterback to Eli Manning until he did it in 2007. And then all of a sudden we viewed him differently. And that could potentially happen this year based on what we've seen from Dak. All I'm simply saying is when you look at the two quarterback, even though Dak has been far more consistent, the the heights that Josh Allen is able to play to is what gives me – some belief that they're capable of being able to put together a three or four game span where he's the best football player on the planet and he can take that team to a Super Bowl. Here's where it really comes down to, I think, because as I'm reading between the lines, I don't think we're saying this out loud in a way that maybe we have to acknowledge and commit to. And I haven't said this either. Are we saying that we don't believe any of the big three in the NFC could beat two of the teams? In other words, let's just play this out. Let's say Philly goes and beats Dallas. Are we automatically then picking San Francisco because they didn't have to play the first game? Because it kind of, I feel like we've kind of bounced around that the NFC is so top heavy and so good at the top that the concept of any of these three beating the other two in back to back weeks almost feels too difficult, where in the AFC, if I told you you're going to beat the Dolphins and then beat the Ravens, it doesn't feel as difficult as beating any of the, in any combination you want in the NFC, where you can't win the back-to-back against the two. Well, we gave out the stat about the San Francisco 49ers, right? I mean, over the last three years, opponents, after they've played the Niners, are 7-21. and so the 49ers take it out of you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I, of, of all right, of so the, if you beat them, you're going to lose the next one. Yeah, because they are going to beat you up. That's the kind of team that they are. That's what Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch have put together. So it feels like the NFC is going to be a gauntlet that those three teams are going to have to run. And if you're asking me which one of those teams do I think can actually get through, it would be San Francisco. But we don't know if San Francisco can stay healthy. But so is it whoever's the, the one seed? That's my point, and that's what I'm saying. There is a huge advantage to being the one seed because not only are you one of what? You become one of, what, four teams in the NFC versus one of seven teams to be able to make it out of that conference Mm -hmm. if you've got to start in the wild card round. So you have that going for you, but you also have the rest advantage going for you too because the opponent that you're going to play in the divisional round would have played on wild card weekend. So I think it it sets up – for a, a very, very distinct opportunity for whoever grabs that one seed in the NFC, which is why the Cowboys have to be approaching this game with the Bills with that kind of urgency because it's not just on the board for them to win the division, but they could actually grab the one seed when you look at their schedule versus what the 49ers are going to have to deal with. Weird thought. Hear me out on this. <laughs> is there a counter to the one seed actually not being the best thing for this reason? Let's say let's say the playoffs finish exactly the way they are right now. You have uh, Green Bay as the seven, Minnesota as the six, Philly as the five, Tampa as the four, Detroit as the three, Dallas is the two, San Francisco is the one. Let's say Dallas beats San Francisco in round one. Fine, no big deal there. Let's say I'm sorry, Dallas beats Green Bay in round one. Mm-hmm. Let's say Detroit beats Minnesota in round one. But let's say Philly goes on the road and beats Tampa. The lowest remaining seed becomes Philly. They go to San Francisco. Dallas in that scenario would get Detroit. Mm. So in, in less a, games though, Ev. Like yeah. I, I hear what you're saying, but it's le- you want less games. <laughs> but you would have to play both of them. No, but you would want less games though. That's the thing. If I've got to only play two games as opposed to three, give me the two games versus the three. The shortest path is the best path. Right. You know what I mean? 
So that's how I would look at it. That's why that one seed is invaluable. I agree with you, but there is, if I'm a Cowboys fan and I'm just totally biased in favor of my team, my spin against this is I'm fine being the two seed. Let the Niners and Eagles play in the first round. I'll beat the Lions at home, and then i got to win one game, which may be in San Francisco or may be at home against Philadelphia to get to the Super Bowl. I actually avoid one of them if I'm the two seed. Mm. So the NFC, is, there's an argument, maybe, maybe, again, that the winning the NFC East – is as valuable or more valuable than even being the number one. Yeah, team. but let's just call this what it is. Right now, Dallas has got the head-to-head tiebreaker because they played one more division game than the Philadelphia Eagles. That's going to change, you know, because the the Eagles have the Giants a couple of times down the stretch. So, right, so they're going to flip flop. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. they're probably flip flop. But again, there is the chance that the Eagles could continue to trend in the direction that we've seen in the last couple of weeks. They're on the road against the Seattle Seahawks, a desperate team trying to fight to get in the playoffs. We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. But if you're Dallas, you've got to approach this as if the Eagles are going to stumble and you can seize control over the division lead and potentially grab the number one overall seed. That has to be the mentality. And that's why this is such a huge statement game for not only Mike McCarthy, but Dak Prescott in terms of being the MVP of this league and being the unquestioned leader that can get this team to the championship rounds. Cowboys at Bills, Sunday, 425 p.m. Eastern time. If we told you both teams were in the playoffs, which one is a better shot of making the Super Bowl, Dallas or Buffalo? You can weigh in on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper the ones fans deserve. Coming up, are there more, more coaches in the NFL on the hot seat or as candidates for Coach of the Year. We will get into that coming up next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about Electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus. Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L E C T R I C ebikes.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. Well, I'm really unsportsmanlike. Yeah, you fumbled the bag on that one, partner. All right, tell everybody. You, f- well, you fumbled the bag. Well, I mean, you you spilled your coffee yeah. on your computer. Yeah, not and we ideal. don't know. We don't know if the thing is going to work anymore. This is not a good thing. That's not great. No, that's not great. We got a lot of show left to go. I think you're going. Oh, I could do a show I without th- a computer. I, I think but... you're going to need that though. Uh oh. It's a it's a football it Friday. You're going to need that. Yeah. Uh, this no, I'm good. I'm good without a computer, but I'm not good with ruining the computer. <laughs> No, I mean, who wants to mess up a perfectly good computer? And now you don't have oh, any coffee. Boy. Well, it is the holiday season, though. So if you did, somebody did could gift you 
a new computer, right? I cannot believe that's a Michelle move over there. Right? Spilling that's your bad. coffee on your computer? Yeah, that's, exactly. I'm supposed to be the one to do How do this. I know if it's still working? It looks like it is. Well, then I think well, it's working. Uh, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> like, you just click on the internet, uh, click on a website. Yeah, go to ESPN.com. I'm already up on ESPN. So let me go to ESPN.com again. <laughs> uh oh, no internet. Well, that happens. Oh, no, I hit the airplane mode button. Ah, got it. Okay. Anyway. So you're working now. You're good. You're up we'll and running. See. You got we the will tra- see. You got the trap back jumping. I don't know. I, uh, Rob, can you help here? Anyway, we are on Sportsman Like on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. We do have something much better than this, an HBCU special. Freddie and Harry will host the special on Saturday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time that will reflect back on the season, the impact the HBCUs are having across football and much more. And this is where, for anybody who wants to rip Deion Sanders for anything, this exists in many ways because Deion Sanders has done a phenomenal job of bringing the attention to the HBCUs and making sure that people know what's going on. Jackson State initially and obviously now in and around the HBCUs. I know your brothers played there as well, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so good job by ESPN Radio. Freddie and Harry will have this special tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern time for the HBCUs. Now, we talked about the idea of the coaches right now. Are there more coaches on the hot seat or that are candidates for Coach of the Year? Oh, I'm going to say more coaches on a hot seat. I mean, any given year, we've got six to eight firings. And Adam Schefter reported a few weeks ago that he expects that number could be uh, more uh, in an eight to ten range. So I I guess there would be more coaches that are legitimately on the hot seat than actual coach of the year candidates. I mean, coach of the year candidates, we float out a lot of names because of – you know, some improbable seasons that we've seen some franchises have. Like, think about it. What the Houston Texans have been able to do with C.J. Stroud, what the Indianapolis Colts and Shane Steichen have been able to do without Anthony Richardson, with Gardner Minshew, a mm-hmm. career backup. I mean, what Mike Tomlin has been able to do, cobbling together wins with suspect quarterback play. I mean, you can go on and on in terms of the improbable. T- Minnesota with Kevin O'Connell, what they've been able to do. Kevin Stefanski winning games with four different starters across the NFL season. I don't know that that's been done before in the oh, league. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, there are plenty of coaches that we could point to. Even the Denver Broncos with Sean Payton and how he was list. able to turn yep. that thing around. So we float out a lot of different names. But I, I think it ultimately comes down to probably two or three candidates once we get to the final weeks of the regular season, whereas we know that there are going to be you know six to eight job openings and potentially more than that, just depending on how the rest of the season shakes out. So I'm going to say more legit coaches to be fired than Coach of the Year candidates. I'm with you. I got to seven, and I didn't even really look at the NFC South for coaches on the hot seat. On the hot seat. On the hot seat. And I don't think that we're there with Coach Coach of the Year, even though with so many starting quarterbacks going down and teams finding success, there should be a bigger crop of candidates, I think, this year for Coach of the Year in that Mm -hmm. conversation. But I just – I don't think it – gets close to seven, six or seven. And again, I didn't even include the NFC South. Yeah. Well, you kind of got to be a playoff team to go in coach of the year, right? Like that's one of the unwritten rules about the award. Yeah. If you don't make the playoffs, it's hard to win coach of the year. Like Brian Dayball got coach of the year. They made the playoffs. It was improbable. I think that's a part of it. And that's why I think what happens over the next three or four weeks will, will shape how we look at the award because – there are going to be teams that fall out of it. And then all of a sudden, those coaches' names go away, and we focus on the ones that are still in it. So, mm-hmm. again, if D'Amico Ryans and the Houston Texans don't find a way to get back into the wild card, 
then all of a sudden do we feel like he's the coach of the year candidate? No. Even though he should merit consideration for the turnaround, yes. he's probably not going to win the award. Conversely, Kevin Stefanski, right now that team controls their playoff destiny, and he's won games with four different starting quarterbacks. Think about it. Deshaun Watson, who hasn't been great. P.J. Walker, who hasn't been great, and that's an understatement. DTR, who's a rookie. And then Joe Flacco, who just got a brand-new contract, and they called him three weeks ago. He was on his couch. Right. So think about that. Like he, like and he, by the way, Minnesota, I believe, can do the same if they win this weekend. With the yeah, Dallas. he's a more viable candidate. But I'm just saying, he's a more viable candidate. And like you said, Kevin O'Connell, Minnesota Vikings, a more viable candidate. <laughs> four a quarter. It's, we could have two teams that have won games. Wild. Four star- if I'm not mistaken, because Jaron Hall started the game that Dobbs came in and won. Mm-hmm. Right? And then Dobbs started, and obviously Cousins. So very quickly, Coach of the Year, I wrote down – Candidates: Mike McDaniel, yep. John Harbaugh. Uh-huh. Again, what like what CC was saying? If they make the playoffs, Zach Taylor, if they make the playoffs, has to be in that conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. D'Amico Ryan, same thing. We talk about Stefanski. Yep. I put Shane Steichen on that list with yeah. Indy if they make the playoffs. Sure. Uh, Sean Payton, same thing. Mike McCarthy, I put on that list as well. Uh, Kevin O'Connell, Kyle Shanahan, just because you know I think you gotta got, gotta put him on that list if they get the number one seed. Maybe somebody will consider the the hot seat. I put Sean McDermott, Belichick. I still put Robert Sala. Maybe I'm wrong. Antonio Pierce, Brandon Staley. I didn't want to do this, but I know CC has pushed this. Mike McCarthy, Ron Rivera. So Mike McCarthy's on both of my lists, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Matt Eberflus, and then I wrote the entire NFC South. Now, no here's what's interesting. Where is the most attractive opening? So Bill Barnwell, ESPN.com, did a top 10 list of most attractive NFL openings. So I want you guys to guess as many as you can in the top five here. Most attractive potential openings for a coaching free agent. I mean, my first pick off the board would be the Patriots, right, Smalls? Oh, that's not my first pick, but they're they're in there for yeah, sure. The number five, New England Patriots. Okay. okay, I would go Chargers. Chargers number two because you have a quarterback there, and those those are hard to find. I would put the Chicago Bears on there. Number one on the list for for Bill Barnwell. You've got the, the picks, legacy franchise. He says the pros, draft capital, as you said. Access to potential star quarterback, Caleb Williams, young roster. Cons, high-stakes decision to be made immediately, which I assume is Justin Fields, significant work needed on the line of scrimmage. So you got Bears 1, you got Chargers 2, and Patriots 5. I'm going to throw the Commanders in there. Commanders he has at 7. Because of new ownership. And I think once they want to put their stamp on this and bring in their new head coach, I think they're going to provide a lot of resources because they really want to pour into this organization and turn the page. Where are the Atlanta Falcons? Atlanta Falcons. Good job, CeCe. Number three (laughs) overall. a lot of young talent. Here are the pros. Patient ownership. Arthur Blank. Young talent, as you just said. Subpar division. Excuse me. Cons. Major questions at quarterback. Possibility of a limited budget after a 2023 spending spree. So you're missing one team in the top five of potential job openings this offseason. Most attractive ones. Per Barnwell. I don't think you're going to get it. Is it because of the the coach? We would be surprised? I don't think you had this guy necessarily on your hot seat list currently. Who is it? New York Jets. uh, That's what I was going to say. The Jets. Are they really attractive? No. Even though they have a lot of talent, so good. They have a lot of talent, but if you go in this year, you know it's still the Aaron Rodgers show, and that's going to be hard to. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. And here's the thing that bothers me about that: the the head coach shouldn't be on the hot seat. It should be the general manager before the head coach. I agree. The GM has had one good draft, and that's what he's caping off of. And the reason why this team was in a situation 
where they were desperate enough to get in bed with Aaron Rodgers is because they whiffed on the quarterback, Zach Wilson. Yep. And he was the second overall pick. You can't miss on that. So if you do, that costs you your job as a general manager. I don't think it should be Rob Sala. He's a defensive coach. Last time I checked, they got one of the best defenses in the league. Why would you fire that guy? It's clear that he knows what the hell he's doing. Uh, other teams quickly here in his top ten of attractive potential openings. Number six, Tampa Bay. I hope that doesn't happen. I don't want Me Todd too. Bowles to get fired. Uh, eight, New Orleans. Nine, the Raiders. And then ten, Carolina. Coming up, Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL reporter, will join us in studio next. It's Sportsman Life, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Unsportsmanlike is presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. Dan Graziano is here. Covers the NFL, of course, for ESPN. He'll be at Sunday Night Football between the Jaguars and the Ravens this weekend and joins us in studio. Uh, Aleno, a lot's going on in the hallways right now. Mike Tannenbaum is dressed up as a reindeer. Is that what's happening? Apparently there's a Sports Center segment called O Tannenbaum, and he, they, needed, they wanted a Santa hat, but he couldn't find a Santa hat, so we went with the reindeer antlers. So, so which reindeer is he? Is he blitzing? Is he, he's not Rudolph because he doesn't have the red nose. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I should have asked him. He gives me Donner vibes. Donner vibes? Okay, gotcha. Really? I'll dig a little on that and that's, get back to you. That's more reindeer than I could mention. I, gotta be honest, I never heard of that, any of those. Uh, well, la- it's what? in the song, Evan. Yeah, I it guess is I don't know it. I'm sorry. Dasher, Dancer, like, Prancer, Vixen, why do we, Comic Cupid, Why do Cupid, we know Donner more about blitzen? this than you? You have children. We don't. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you <laughs> on that one. Um, all right. So Tannenbaum's a mess out there. Brandon Staley was a mess uh, last night. Oh, my God. Is he still the coach of the Chargers? <laughs> just want to make sure. You know more than we do. I mean, it's only 4.30 in the morning out there. So, yeah. Look, I mean, the Chargers have only done an in-season head coach firing once in their history. So it's still possible he gets the rest of the year. But, my goodness, did they look shut down last night. And if they were going to make that move, right, coming off a Thursday game with some extra time before their next game, like let's say you, you're going to elevate Kellen Moore to interim head coach. That gives him a few extra days to kind of get his feet under him. So I think we're watching that situation closely. I, I'm, I feel pretty confident saying that, you know, it'll be open at the end of the year. Um, but would they do something sooner than that? Because last night was just, I mean, to be down 42 nothing at halftime, to a team that didn't score any points 
last week, like literally no points. <laughs> and all of a sudden they couldn't stop score. Yeah, it, it was a, it was unfortunate. I mean, it, it's it's a shame. It's a shame. They they do not look like they were playing hard for their coach. And the worst part about it is Brandon Staley's background is on the defensive side of the ball. Oh yeah, no. Like, I mean, look, it, it was just a complete and total meltdown. Like at one point in the second half, there's a there's a gigantic like 320 pound dude running in a touchdown. John Jenkins, yeah. And no one's even chasing him. Like no. someone could have yeah. caught that guy no. if they had tried. I, I just they think weren't it's a shame. playing Khalil Mack because the game was over with. It's like a, you just stand next to the coaches. This one's over, yeah. buddy. We don't want to get you hurt. But Dan, spinning it forward, looking at the there week 15 slate. Oh, John that. Jenkins, big man balling. Where's Marcus Spears when oh, you need him? The thick from... six. Let's go. <laughs> we're gonna hear from Marcus. Absolutely, right now. absolutely. But yeah. spinning it forward to the week 15 slate, the marquee game. The Bills, the Dallas yeah. Cowboys. Now, we've been kicking around the hypothetical this morning. If both teams get in the playoffs, mm-hmm. which team would you have more confidence in in going on a run to the Super Bowl? <laughs> I think the way they've played this year, I would go with the Cowboys because, you know, I, I just think they look like they're cruising. But, you know, there is that 30 years worth of history <laughs> to consider. Yeah, uh, yeah. 27, 27 years uh, yeah. since a conference championship game? Yeah. I, I, look, the Bills have the Bills have some problems, like like, like personnel-wise on defense, right? Tredavious White is not coming back. Matt Milano's not – I mean, like, they're not going to be whole on defense, and I think at some point that will catch up with them, uh, along with the propensity to turn the ball over. So I would go with Dallas if those were my two choices. Also, the NFC, I think, is easier. Well, I want to ask Ooh, you about the AFC. I know you have Ravens-Jaguars this mm-hmm. weekend, right, Dan? Okay, so I want to ask you about the Ravens. I brought this up during a break. We, heading into this season, thought the AFC was going to be an absolute yes. gauntlet. But because of injuries to starting quarterbacks or, or teams not living up to expectations, one by one, a lot of these contenders that mm-hmm. we had in the AFC have fallen by the wayside. Does that make this Super Bowl or bust for the Baltimore Ravens? Do they actually have the most pressure on yeah. them to get it done this season? I think, I think things are setting up well for them. Yes, uh, I, I agree with you on that. And, and last week's game... The way they won it against the Rams, that was the kind of thing that, like, this isn't very scientific, but, like, you watch that and you're like, eh, it's, maybe it's their year, mm. right? Like, exactly like that's the I kind see. of thing, yeah. right? Like, so, and, and add to the fact that, 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 that they're very good, right? Yeah. And, and Lamar Jackson is healthy, which the last couple of Decembers he hasn't been, and the difference that makes for them. So, yeah, I think they're, they're set up. If Miami is going to struggle against this schedule they have coming up, if Tyreek Hill uh, is not 100% and their injuries on the offensive line are going to catch up with them, uh, then that clears, I think, a path for Baltimore to get the one seed, get the bye, and play those home games uh, in January. Look, no one's the, the Chiefs are like the, the villain in a horror movie, right? Like, I'm not going to believe the Chiefs are dead until I see it, right? <laughs> and, and, and I'm going to expect them to jump up again one more time, right? So, <laughs> like, that – and everybody, I think, in the AFC would tell you that. Like, the Ravens would say that's still the team we feel like we have to beat, even if, it's, even if the game's in Baltimore. But I do think that the Ravens look like the best team, and uh, with everyone health, I mean, they're as healthy as they've been all year. I mean, Mark Andrews not there, but other than that, I think they're they're in pretty good shape health wise. Dan Graziano, unusual for them. Yeah, right. ESPN NFL reporter joining us here on Unsportsmanlike, presented by Progressive Insurance. You'll see him on Get Up at eight a.m. Eastern time on ESPN. I want to go back to something you just said. You said the AFC is more difficult than the NFC. Yeah, that's. You... I mean, look at look at what you just had there. The Jaguars are the four seed. Like, I don't think there are four NFC teams that are that are of that caliber. I mean, yeah, the Browns. Browns have played good defense all year, and they've got this Joe Flacco thing going on. So, yeah, I mean, look, if you look at the AFC, that 6, 7, and 8 seed are all 7 and 6. If you look in the NFC, I, th- I think they're all 6 and 7. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I guess my, my surprise in hearing that is 
if I take so you're right, take the four. Now yeah. if I take the three, Ravens, Dolphins, Chiefs yeah. versus Niners, Cowboys, Eagles. Yeah. I think I mean, well, the Niners look like the best team, period, right? And the Cowboys and Eagles, I mean, look, look, the Eagles have some some issues on the defensive side of the ball that have been well chronicled. And the Cowboys, I mean, they look great, but they you put look a question great mark at this time of year. <laughs> Let's see them win playoff games. That's, that's not being unfair at no, all. Not, like, that, we have to see this group have playoff success before we buy it. Could they? Yes. Are they a good enough team? Yes. But that has been the case before, and they flamed out in the playoffs. So, so we'll see. The story on the Dallas season – well, number one, we'll see if they can hold on and win the division, right? See if they can win these games they have coming up over the next few weeks and hold on and win the division. If they do that, then the story of this year's Cowboys will be about are they the team that could finally get over the hump and get back to the Super Bowl? Dan, another interesting matchup. We got the Denver Broncos on the road against the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson, Jared Goff. Now, Jared Goff has struggled of late yes. protecting the football. That team feels like it's regressing a little bit um, in comparison to certainly what we saw them do in the second mm-hmm. half last year. Who's there more pressure on to get a win in this matchup? Oh, Detroit. Massive game for Detroit because they need to start looking like the team. You talk about the second half of last year. How about the first half of this year? Like, I want to see the September and October Detroit Lions that we were talking about. Could they make noise in the playoffs? Because if they're fading, if Jared Goff is reverting back to a pumpkin, then, like, then, then, you know, they got a major problem going into the postseason. But if they can. The Broncos have been playing well. If Detroit can get a convincing victory here, it's in Detroit, right? Yep. So, so if they can get a convincing home victory here and kind of regroup and start looking like they did last December, then I think we, we put them in the mix for a team that could – because they still have that – they're still strong on both lines, yep. right? Like they still have that formula from early in the year that was winning games that I think could travel in the playoffs and make life difficult for a, for a Dallas or a Philadelphia. So uh, but I would like to see it. And if Jared Goff struggles again and they were to lose to this Broncos team, then you start to think maybe that's a team that doesn't have enough gas in the tank to finish off the season. A game that I have my eye on, Dan, is Chiefs-Patriots. The sure. Chiefs are showing signs of vulnerability like we haven't seen in years. Patrick Mahomes upset with the call at the end of, of last week's game. Travis mm-hmm. Kelsey on his podcast ripping the media for yeah. talking about the skill position players. Sure. We have the Patriots who are coming off what is an offensive explosion for them, 21 points over <laughs> the Steelers. And all these reports that... The Patriots and Bill Belichick are parting ways at the end of the season. It just feels to me like a Bill Belichick special game. Am I nuts? Uh, I don't think you're nuts, but I think if the Chiefs lose this game, then we're talking about major, major problems in Kansas City. I mean, the Broncos are only a game behind them in the division, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, if 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 you have the Patriots pulling an upset and then the Broncos winning in Detroit, now and all of a sudden the Chiefs have a major problem that isn't just perception, isn't just about are they good relative to what they've been in the past. So. Um, yeah, I think it's it's alarming to me that they opened the week blaming the refs and closed it blaming the media. I don't think that a team that's accomplished what the Chiefs have accomplished should be living in those spaces. But may, I don't know, maybe it has an effect. Maybe it, maybe it kind of rallies them. Maybe they have this us-against-the-world mentality now. I don't think that's going to matter if their wide receivers don't stop dropping the ball, but I, I think if their wide receivers do stop dropping the ball, then this becomes a, a supremely dangerous team. They've played well on defense all year long, mm-hmm. and they still have Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback, and Andy Reid drawn up the plays. So I don't think it, it's worth writing them off. If they struggle against New England, then I think we can, we can start to think that this is not the year. But I expect them to take care of business there. I, I think New England is is not a very good team this year. I, I do think that there's a, a strong chance of a, of a coaching change there when the season is over. Um, and I understand the, the significance of that statement, but um, 
I think you know what they did against Pittsburgh last Thursday night uh, is probably not repeatable against this Chiefs defense. Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL reporter, will be covering the Ravens and Jags on Sunday. He'll be on Get Up in about 20 minutes or so. You can watch him on ESPN. They're coming up. I'm over it. Next. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. Yes, it is time now for our producer, Pat Costello, to tell us all the things in the world that bother him, that annoy him, that frustrate him in and around sports, entertainment, and life. One thing that I know is not frustrating to Pat, he's got a brand new hat today. It's got a beautiful yeah. Celsius hat oh. as we're heading to West Palm, the grand opening ESPN West Palm Studios next week. Celsius is sending us there. How Pat benefits from this is really amazing. Well, the sponsorship, though, right? Yeah, that's right. what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, the sponsorship. Yeah. And he's got that nice Celsius hat. Pat, beautiful. the floor is yours. Thank you. Uh, the idea of Aaron Rodgers coming back if the Jets win, just stay home. Stay on the couch. No one needs this. You're just going to end up hurting yourself. Like, stay home. Everyone's trying to talk themselves into it, and it shouldn't happen, and I hope this conversation just goes away. Yeah, I think that that is an interesting, sneaky game this weekend because if the Jets win, we're going to hear about that. If I am a New York Jet that cares about the long-term future of this franchise, I have to root against my own team this weekend. You have to get worse so Rodgers doesn't even consider coming back. Do you, though? Oh, do okay, you, though? Okay, go ahead. I'm go just, ahead. I, I mean, I, I, ahead. I hate to take it there, though, man, but... I mean, Aaron Rodgers having control over your franchise ain't the best of things. You're talking about a quarterback that's coming off of a major Achilles injury in his age 41 season, which would be with the situation in 2024. We don't know what version of him he's going to be. And the last time we saw him in a season where he was fully healthy, he lost a winning game at home against the freaking Lions. So you so, want to so, see him back to judge him for next year? No, basically. I'm not. No, I'm. Not, here's what I'm saying. I'm looking at it in its totality. Right. Mm-hmm. The last time we saw Aaron Rodgers on a football field, it wasn't good enough. But the Jets were so desperate for competent quarterback play that they made a move for a guy that Green Bay was showing the door anyway. Okay, you're in this situation. Four plays in, your season goes off the rails. You're going to run it back again and think that it's going to be all good and we're just so happened going to have the, the good fortune of injury luck? Come on, man. Miss me with all of that. Like, Aaron Rodgers' swing in his organization is way too much, and they need to be thinking long-term about the quarterback position, regardless of what Aaron Rodgers' status or health is going into 2024. But you know they're going to see this through at least next year with him, so you got to protect him. 
because he does have the power. He is coming back. You have made your bed with him, and you're going to lie in it. And see, I would I would rather him be healthy next season. But I guess the scary part is they're going to double down on Rodgers, and they're not going to address the need for a young quarterback that can grow into their future franchise guy in the draft. They're not going to do that. They're going to use all the draft capital to bring in all the pieces that Aaron Rodgers says he needs, and yet you still run the risk of this guy getting hurt, his season getting cut short, and your team being awful again. And I just don't think that that makes sense for a guy, again, that's middle-aged playing in the National Football League. See, see we don't have to do that part of it. You know? He is just, middle-aged. Saying, you know, middle-aged he'll be 41. Hopefully he is. Oh, boy. I'm older than that, 43. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hopefully I'm, I'm he's middle-aged. I'm I know. Know. Person. Long, that's middle-aged. That's middle-aged if you're lucky, right, if Smalls? You're lucky. If you're lucky. It could middle-aged. be over the hill. <laughs> You don't want to go there. I'm, we, t- I'm tired of being morbid. Let me stop being yeah, we morbid. We just started four months ago. We're over the hill already. That's it. We're done, ladies and gentlemen. Pat, what's the next one? People who are still doing internet prank videos in 2023, it was like barely kind of funny. Put Celsius shirt on now, too. It's just adding to the Celsius here. Well done. Sponsorship. No, yeah, yeah, sponsorship. <laughs> um, it, it was like barely funny in 2014 when it was happening. If you're still doing like these prank videos where you're like going out to try to get people, you're a big loser. I think they're funny still. I got to be honest. There are a lot of them where I think like, oh, that's a funny prank on someone. No, I'm with Pat on this one, man. If you out here pranking people and putting it on camera, you deserve to have your ass whipped. Well, I'm not saying you deserve, you, deserve, but... you deserve the ass whipping that the Raiders gave the charges last night. That level of ass kicking. That's what you deserve. If you still doing that. But Ashton Kutcher punked back in the day. No, you didn't laugh from that? No, I always thought to myself, if Ashton Kutcher did that to me, I'm going to knock him the out. Like, that's always what my mentality was. It wasn't cool then. It's not cool now. I don't like it. Stop it. Stop trying to prank people. So you don't think that we should prank get up and start a prank war here is what you're saying? No, I don't want to do that because I don't know where the the line is. I'm going to always escalate it. Like, I remember when my teammates (laughs) tried to prank me. So once upon a time, I had a teammate prank me by throwing all of my clothes that were in my locker room in the cold tub. And, and so, yeah, he threw all of my clothes out of my locker into the clothes tub. I couldn't believe he did that. So what I did was took his car keys and hid his car on the back of the practice facility at a parking lot in a shopping center. And he called me a couple hours later after we had all gone home because he couldn't find his car. Then I finally told him so he could go home. But, again, this See, I is— I find all this funny. This i got to be honest. A, well, well, it's funny until you lose two or three hours out of your day because somebody pulled a joke on you. Yeah. It ended up leading to a fight with said teammate. And so, yeah, that ended like up happening. Like a fist fight? Like a fist fight. It ended but up he happening. started it. That I don't find funny. But, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. He started it, but I'm going to finish it. And I did finish it, Smalls. Okay, yeah, I did. <laughs> and like I said, I'm not above knocking somebody to, out. Mm-hmm. So no pranks. <laughs> Reminder, ladies and gentlemen, Don't neither Smalls him. nor I will ever prank Chris Canty based on that story. I can tell you that. No, much. but I, it was fun. It oh, was no, fun. yes. I, I will never prank I, you. No, but I, I, it, I, listen, it wasn't a fight when he pranked me. It's just that I'm going to escalate it. I'm going to always Again, take as it. I said, I'm going to always take it to the next level. You. It's not like I stepped to him, but then after I pranked him, he stepped to me, and when somebody does that, then you have to you have to go for what you know. Was this a training camp prank because I remember when the St. Louis Rams were in town, those guys had some epic prank battles during training camp. Like they would saran wrap somebody's car. They they filled James Laurinaitis's car with crickets, I believe. So was this something that it was like light no. and fun in training camp? No, no, no. This wasn't training. This was very much in the regular season. Really? This was very Did much it in ever the regular get season. Out? 
Huh? Did it ever get out? No, it didn't get out. We kept, that, we kept that stuff that, in house. How do you know you we didn't? Don't, we, don't, we didn't pillow talk in that locker room. How do you know you didn't play for the Jets? That story right there that never got it out. Didn't, didn't, yeah. you, they was on the That's Jets. Forget point. it. That is a great 1986 point. Mets, my favorite baseball team of all time. They won the World Series. They notoriously did the hot foot. So basically, and it happened at Bush Stadium a lot in St. Louis, the old dugouts would have the elevated benches where you can like crawl underneath. And there was no, like, storage or anything underneath. The Mets players would crawl underneath the bench in the dugout, take cigarettes and gum, light them, and tape them to the back of somebody's cleat without them knowing. And the Mets would light their own players' feet on fire during games. No joke. Look it up. Next one, Pat. Uh I learned this the other day, and it kind of surprised me. Makeup is insanely expensive, and oh. I had no idea. I was looking. Okay, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Pat, who you, who you, who you, now, who you buying makeup for, though? Look, look move past it. Ah, <laughs> But it's insane. The prices are insane. What, what, what's going on? What happened? Like, how? Why? Can we talk about Pat now wearing a fanny pack? Uh-huh. Chelsea's fanny pack, too. He's, he's got a hat, shirt, and fanny pack sales. Every single time we've gone to Pat on camera, he has added Celsius gear. Well done. Well done, indeed. Now, I will say, makeup is outrageously expensive. If you go to Sephora and you have to buy a couple staples, you're not getting out of there with, without spending at least $100. But I was, at mad at, I was mad as hell when they discontinued my shade with my matte foundation. They did? Yeah, so L'Oreal <laughs> discontinued my shade with my matte foundation. So I had to buy not one foundation, but two foundations to mix them up. To get the shade that matched my skin. So oh, that no, was easily did. 60 bucks. Easily. A piece, yeah. Yeah. A piece, yeah. yeah. It ended easily. up costing me $150 in makeup. Not surprised. When you when you, when you couple the, the foundations with the concealers, like it's just a whole thing. Then you got to get one of the little blender balls. Oh, or, yeah. Or blender, uh, what are they called? Beauty blenders. Beauty blenders with a little sponge. It's yeah. a sponge. It's, you, a, it's a thing, man. If you wet the sponge and yeah. then put it on your face, it blends. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, it's a hot tip yeah. from me. Yep. Can you guys expense it? What are they something? talking about these things? No. No, we can't. No, 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 no. You know I'm cheap. Actual? If I could, I would. Yeah. You know I'm I cheap. Wish. If I could, I would. I had to learn how to do all of this because in the pandemic, <laughs> that's, you had to do your own makeup. <laughs> so I'm just saying. It's probably a tax write off. It's not. Maybe someone should invent a water bottle where you just put that in there and just spray it on your face. Well, you there, know, is, like, there is. Like a nice spray. Celsius uh, water oh, bottle. Does Pat that. now have a Celsius water bottle too? Is no. that what? No. No. What? I'm still trying to figure out who Pat is. Oh, my was... God. Wow. This oh, well done. We're going to West Palm. Sponsorship. Well done, Pat. We're on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle.